0: The discovery phase is upon us. And did the Jazz discover something against Dallas? With either Taylor Horton Tucker, with Damian Jones, or with Chris Dunn. We'll talk about it on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the March 8th edition of Locked on Jazz. The Utah Jazz have a stellar defensive performance against the loaded Dallas Mavericks. Lowry Marketing continues to show what a star he is. And the Jazz are in discovery mode with all these injuries. Can they find something? And did they last night in either Taylor Horton Tucker, Damian Jones, or Chris Dunn? Plus, the Western Conference... Play it along if you're looking for standing dropping last night for the Utah Jazz. We'll play our lottery simulation as well to close up the show. Uh, I am David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. And this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps we are available for you on YouTube. You can be a part of the community and join in with everyone in the chat room. Who are you most excited about? Taylor Horton Tucker, Damian Jones, or Chris Dunn after last night's game is my question for you in the YouTube chat uh, for you. It is Locked on Jazz, your team every day. We try to bring you a little extra insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully make it better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, really, we talked yesterday on the show about how great the defense is of the, or offense is of, of the Mavericks. And as they prepped throughout the day, it, it kept getting better and better and better. I mean, Kyrie and Luka on the floor together, they were a 130 in the half court. Their half court offense is a 120 uh, since they got Kyrie. I mean, it, there's just a bunch of elements here where they were just truly, truly awesome. Um, And... You know, without Walker Kessler, uh, maybe Colin and Jordan aren't necessarily defensive players. I, I didn't have, and, and frankly, where the Jazz are, and I didn't expect a great defensive night. Well, instead, the Jazz held the Mavericks to a 109.1 defensively and were really good. In fact, when Kelly Olynyk was on the floor last night, the Jazz defense was an 81.5. So... Let me put numbers in perspective because numbers are irrelevant unless they're in perspective. Everybody always says, you can't use numbers. Nobody makes sense of it. Well, actually, you can if you take the time to make them make sense. So the league average right now is about 115 points per 100 possessions. That's kind of the round number. It's really 114, but go with 115. Since the trade, uh, Dallas, since February 8th, kind of when that trade went down, so it's actually now been exactly a month for them, since then... Dallas comes in with an offense that was uh, a one twenty one point one. Sacramento on that stretch is the best, then the Knicks, the 76ers, and Dallas. So Dallas came in as a one twenty one point one, and last night they were a one oh nine point one. It's really a it's a great effort. Let me give you the numbers, and I'll explain you know what the Jazz did and what we saw of them last night because. Brian Bailey, Jazz assistant coach, kind of built the game plan, and then the Jazz, I thought, executed it really, really well. I saw Brian afterwards, and of course, he was, as coaches are, wishing for a little more at times. So in the first quarter, Dallas had a 117, and the Jazz had a 103, which isn't great, um, which would seemed weird because of the fact that the the Jazz, frankly, um, you know, the game was close, three-point game. But In the second quarter, the Jazz really dug in. They... They got it down to an 86.2 uh, in the second quarter. I mean, that's was is absolutely fabulous. Um, that's where Kelly Olenek kind of had his biggest impact. And then in the third quarter, when Luka usually kind of has his stamp, Luka leads the league in scoring in the first and third quarters. It was a 96.6. Now, simultaneously, the Jazz had a hard time scoring, but we've discussed that all week long. That's, that's going to just be the reality the rest of the way. And then in the fourth quarter, Dallas did put up a 143.5, and that's really just because of Kyrie. Kyrie went bananas and was able to kind of run away from the jazz a little bit in that stretch. So the jazz did a lot of interesting things. they they generally one of the things they had kind of planned on doing was anytime they could get Kyrie in the corner they would trap him. but Dallas moved Kyrie last night. Kyrie had been playing kind of the weak side corner, and this time he ended up playing in the weak side uh, just up top like in a two guard set. Which made it really a little difficult for the Jazz because they would have to double off of Kyrie when they came to Luca, and then when they got the ball got back to Kyrie, the Jazz actually wanted to double often wanted to double again. Um, they actually were doubling Kyrie a little bit more than they were g- doubling Luca. luka has got that thigh contusion; it might not be all the way right. Um, but it was a really you know the road for guys who've not played together. We started Simone Fontecchio last night. Damian Jones played a lot. Um, we ended up rotating and playing really well. Um, and Dallas spins it. Dallas does a really good job. They've been doubled so much. They're so comfortable with it. But when the ball gets out of the hands, they, they spin it around in the rotation, and they, they beat the rotations. And so the Jazz gave up, I think, you know a, about 50% of the shots as threes last night. But you kind of knew that was what was going to happen. And wasn't Dallas? it wasn't this night that the Jazz got lucky. In fact, the exact opposite happened last night. Dallas got a little fortunate... On three point shooting, if I was Nick Angstead and Isaac Harris of Locked On Mavericks, what would probably have me the most dismayed is that they were playing a shorthanded Jazz team, and they got they got fortunate on three point shooting last night, and still at the same and at the same time, you know, barely were able to hang on and beat the Jazz team last night. That that's I don't think that was a good night for the Mavericks at all. Um, you know, the Jazz are. Super shorthanded. Fontecu goes two of seven from three. Abaji goes one of six. Johnny Juzang goes one of six. Um, Kelly doesn't make his. He's a decent three-point shooter. And the Jazz shoot 34% from three, which is exactly what we've been doing. That's who we are now. We've been shooting since kind of the trade. We're 32% from the corners and 32% from above the break. So when we go 34% from three, I think that's a better indicator that that's just kind of who we are at this point in time as a team. And in turn uh dallas shoots 42 percent from three which frankly they may be closer to that as a team um if if we want to just be fair and give them credit because of the fact that they have that many good shooters and they have these two guys that are just remarkable uh in kyrie and luca that you're trying to get the ball out of their hands uh by the way corner threes last night the jazz were as kind of holding to the numbers they were three of 11 and then they were 12 of 33 and above the break 11 corner threes is a is a good offensive execution, too. I mean, this was just a really good all-around effort by the Jazz. Defensively, they got into it. They got 11 corner threes. They executed their game plans. They took advantage. And then guys had good games. Like, guys played really, really hard. So it was an impressive night. On um, the defensive end, I just thought the the variety of ways that they were doubling, when they were doubling at different points, when they weren't doubling in what they were doing, what a lot of teams kind of call shade or smoke, where they were kind of hovering as though they're going to double but not quite and make Luca think and make Kyrie look at it and think. And then they they were pretty well, uh, having been at shoot-around, they were pretty well orchestrated on when they would, what the circumstance was that triggered the double. I, I just thought it was a really, as someone who went to shoot-around, saw them prepare, I thought it was an impressive night all the way around for the coaching staff and the players and the execution and particularly considering, you know, the amount of time those guys had spent on the floor together. So tip of the hat last night, um, fun game. And, you know, beating Dallas in Dallas might be a little much to ask when you're starting Simone Fontecchio and playing Johnny Juzang and playing, you know, we, at one point we had another five-man lineup of five guys on the floor who at uh, no point in time were, were not, all of which were not in a rotation last, uh, prior to the trade deadline. Um, I don't want us to forget how remarkable Lowry marketing is. And so I'm going to just, you know, take the time. Um, he's beaten up at all get-out right now. So I think that's part of what I think is important. Being around the team, he got that shot from uh, Dort in the back. I think he's got some other ailments I won't say because I've seen him, um, just out of fairness to him. And so here's a guy who's really gaming it, and he gamed it to 33 last night without Clarkson and without Sexton. So with no other score on the floor at all. He was able to kind of work himself into 33 points. He nailed his threes. That release is so quick, you just can't take away that shot. He's you know, that's maybe one of the things we ha- haven't maybe discussed as much as we should with Lowry, which is you can do a lot of things defensively against him and you can probably alter how good how well he feels on that shot, but he's you know, he can get nine threes off a night. That's an incredible thing. There are not a lot of guys that get nine threes off at night. And he got nine off last night. He buried five. That definitely helps your line. But the tight curls to the basket. Uh, he's changed the way he's dribbling when under pressure. He's got a lower dribble. Um, he's understanding. He's developed that uh, as the season's gone on. Early in the year when he drove the lane, he had such a high dribble that the ball would get taken. Now he's kind of shielding his body a little bit. He was playing with a lower dribble last night. There was a play where Kyrie was trying to get into him, and he threw the foul. So we are seeing... A tremendous amount of growth out of him. Will Hardy and he have really figured out how to use uh, Lowry and what bringing him off the curls, getting him in the, on the move when he catches, not making him play isolation from a standstill. Uh, he and and how and he's learning how to get off picks. Like I think we saw against Oklahoma City, that he's actually not great yet in shield, you know yielding himself from a defender. Um, in Lou Dort, and so you can see him try to learn and do, you know, more and more and more. So, overall, really strong night. Three guys stood out to me. Damian Jones, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Chris Dunn, and then the Alice defense, because there's no D in Dallas right now, also stood out, and I think is relevant in that, and we'll talk about that uh, when we come up. All right, I have got to, well, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you in a second. I've got, I've got to share it with you. It's exciting. I'm so excited about it that I, like, did the wrong ad read to start is really what just happened right there. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you about it in a second. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Intercap Lending. That's my buddy Steve Carter and everything that's going over at Intercap. Intercap is here for you. If you're looking to buy a house right now and uh, you need a loan officer, Intercap is here for you. Intercap is uh, – Steve Carter's our own personal loan officer, and there's no one I more comfortably recommend to you have any of our sponsors. They've been with us for an awfully long time. Their community service work that Brockworthen overseas oversees with their backpack campaigns are symbolic of kind of who they are as people. And then Steve Carter is just great. Like, it is such a pleasure for me to send someone to Steve Carter and then inevitably get the email shortly thereafter from the person who asked for the connection to Steve Carter about how great Steve is. He's really just he's a one-in-a-million customer service guy. So if you're looking for a loan right now, This is your guy. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer. You can call him at 385-885-28 or email me at DLock09 at gmail.com and I will get you set up with Intercap Lending. Uh, They are focused in Utah, but they can do anywhere outside. So wherever you may be, you do not have to be Utah based. Intercap Lending NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Let us set you up with Steve Carter if you want to call him yourself. Feel free, but just do make sure you mention that you were locked on Jazz because you get the corporate discount that we've established for locked on Jazz listeners. 385-800-8528. That's 385 right, here's my excitement. My excitement is about a game that is bringing back like all of my childhood happiness that is, unfortunately, I think might be destroying the well-being of the locked on uh, NBA channel. And it's ultimate pro basketball GM. Nick Engstead I don't know if he can get any work done anymore. He's the host of Locked On Mavericks, but he's also our channel manager, and he's so addicted to this game. Like, he's updating everything. Like, he, so here's what it is. I, I guess I should tell you. What, I'm so fired up about it. So did you ever, like, like I played Status Pro when I was a little kid because I'm much younger than you. Like, it was a board game. But, like, it was, it was the fact that I got to manage the team, right? I got to trade the players, um, you can do it now with video games where you actually just kind of play like the franchise, you let the game just play itself because you're actually going to choose the right coaches, trade your picks, train your players, make your draft picks, do all this. Well, that is what the ultimate pro basketball GM is. You manage every strategic aspect of your team. You play through the season. You lead your team to glory. You win the championship. It's completely free and playable offline. Play on the go or as you want. I'm play- I am usually watch games with Ron. I'm going to be playing all day today. So uh, on the plane, Locked On Jazz listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store. So make sure you check it out. To download the game, visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code or look it up on the app stores, and that's probasketballgm.com, ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today and feel free to drop me notes and, and trash talk about how great your team is. You can actually use it as your reason of why you're justified to uh, tell me what the trade should be. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Tomorrow on Locked on Jazz, Leaf Tuline is going to join us for a draft preview. So rather than preview the Orlando Magic with March coming up and all the tournaments coming up uh, starting at full throttle this week, we're going to have Leaf talk to us about uh, which tournaments to keep an eye on? What players to keep an eye on? I mean, as we'll do our thing today, the Jazz are, you know, have a pick in the ten in the teens or in the tens. They might have a pick in the teens and they might have a pick in the twenties. So there's really not anybody in that first round that we're not going to be looking at in the draft. Um, and Leaf is uh, does great job on NBA Big Board, so check that out. All right, so three players were really good last night, and this is a little bit where we are right now. Like, can we find pieces moving forward for the franchise? And they were. Damian Jones, who is got a player option on the contract next year, so he could come back. Uh, Chris Dunn, who's on his second 10-day contract, and the Jazz could decide to sign him for the rest of the year. They also could decide, because they still have room in their mid-level exception, they could decide to pay him a deal for multiple years if they really think they've seen enough that they think he could be their backup or third point guard. I think we've seen enough he could be your third point guard. I think we might have seen enough out of Damian Jones that he could be your third center, too. So these are really good things, and then Taylor Horton Tucker, who's just trying to develop into a new aspect of his game, that being a point guard, um, and did it. Now, I'm going to put a huge caveat on top of all of this, and just be a total poo pooer, and really just lay a big ass turd right in the middle. <laughs> sorry, in the middle of this before we dig into it. None of these guys look good against Oklahoma City. Well, they looked okay, but none of them looked as good as they did against Dallas as they did against Oklahoma City. Because Oklahoma City is athletic, and they get Indian, they play defense, and they do all this stuff, and Dallas just doesn't do that. Like, Oklahoma City, when you're playing Oklahoma City the last few nights, watch the Jets, they looked like they were playing against a force. Like, you were trying to fight off a force, and it led to 27 turnovers in a game and all that. When you're playing Dallas, you're running your routes, you're doing what you want to do, you're getting You're. It. It's not quite playing a skeleton defense, but you are definitely, if you have a vision of what you're trying to execute on a play, you're probably going to be able to do it. Because Dallas is not putting up the resistance. And so three guys having good games against Dallas to me is really different than three guys having good games against Oklahoma City, but it's a step. So I'm not poo-pooing it with a blank ass blank beep blah, I missed that up. Blank turd with in the sense that it's irrelevant. I just don't want to overblow it, but you've got to do it against someone first before you can do it against the OK season. Frankly Maybe your backup point guard or your third center or your third point guard don't do this against Oklahoma City. Maybe that's the reality, is that Oklahoma City is just athletic and big and strong enough and forceful enough that you don't do it, that those guys don't do it. Um, So let's start with Damian Jones. I was super impressed last night because he got out on the floor and he played defense in space on switches and handled it, I thought, super well. Um, And I was really surprised. There was more lateral foot movement and good foot movement out of him last night than I knew he had. He's 27 years old. um, And he was a first-round pick out of Vanderbilt by the Warriors. His career's a little interesting. Like, sometimes I look at these things and I try to figure out, like, well, is there a gap somewhere where, like, he didn't get a chance to develop, where he got stymied and there's actually a developmental step? So he played three years at Vandy. He was super young. He was 18, 19 and 20 is three years at Vandy. And if you go back and read the scouting reports on him, you know they they're not they're not glowing. They like talk about the fact that he's pretty limited and that there's this and that. And he goes to the Warriors in 2016-17 um and starts his career for for the Warriors on what's a pretty darn good warrior team, right? Like you know, you you start your, you're the last pick of the first round of the Warriors because of the fact that well, you're you're, they're the 30th team. So the Warriors win the championship in 2016-17. He plays 10 games. The Warriors play, win the championship in 17-18. And the Warriors, you know, in losing the NBA Finals in 18-19. So his first three years in the NBA, he's playing for an NBA championship caliber team. Like, he's not getting time. Right? And he didn't. He played 10 games, 15 games, 24 games. Now, here's what I think's a little interesting. In twenty nine in nine in twenty nineteen in nineteen twenty he gets traded to Atlanta. In which, or he, I think he may sign with no. He gets traded to Atlanta for Omari Spellman. And it's Travis Slank, who was the GM in the Warriors that drafted him originally, that grabs him. And in the nineteen twenty season, he actually starts twenty seven games. He plays 57, and he gets kind of an opportunity. And trying to look into that season and try to figure out. So he's in his, you know, he's now he sat basically for three years, and in 1920 in he gets his, his first extensive time with the Hawks. And as a starter, he averages eight points, five rebounds. He shoots a really high percentage. Their offense was really good when he was on the floor. Um, I I don't know. He play, you know he starts twenty seven games. There's not like a major takeaway on it. His plus minus is in that stretch is brutal. Like minus sixteen. That Hawks team um, was trying to put it together at that point. So you know he's okay. He loses. He starts in the middle of the season. He then doesn't play, and then he kind of loses his starting job. He re gets it back in the middle of the year, and then, he, and then he kind of falls out of favor again. So he, you know, I don't think he led them to a feeling of, of great, you know, oomph. Like, Dame, Dwayne Dedman takes the job from him. John Collins gets a little bit of those minutes. So he gets the 57 minutes, and, like, that's kind of interesting. He got that chance. Then in the 2021 season, after his contract runs out, he signs with the Lakers. Uh, or no, he signs with Phoenix. And he only lasts half the season with Phoenix. So now his career is kind of on a funny little trajectory. So he got his chance the year before with 27 starts, and then he goes to Phoenix, and it doesn't work. For whatever reason, that Phoenix Suns team doesn't have time for him, doesn't work. He plays 14 games. He averages six minutes a night. It's a mess. They release him, and then he goes on two 10-day contracts with the Lakers, and then he goes to, at the end of that season in 2021, he ends up in Sacramento. So he's now really bouncing around. Now he's suddenly played for three different teams. He gets signed for a 10-day contract. And at the end of the season, Sacramento signs him to a contract. So Sacramento gets him as the third team that year on a 10-day contract and decides like, oh, actually, we might like him. And he goes in, in 21-22, and that's also the 2021s, the COVID year, so there's all sorts of stuff going on. So in 21-22... Now he is back again. Sacramento signs him. He's hurt to start the year. He's slow to get into the team. And then he ends up starting their final kind of 10 games of the year in Sacramento that year um, after kind of a a aborted start to the season. And he goes crazy, actually. He averages 17 points and 7 rebounds a game in the final 9 games of the season as a starter, scoring in double figures in every game. Like, he goes bananas. Then, the Lakers sign him on July 1st. So the first day of free agency, the Lakers, who didn't have money, who were, like, going to try to find guys for the minimum or for a low level but are really selling when we want you, went and grabbed Damian Jones with the fir- in the very first minute that they could. He plays 22 games for them this year, and then they trade him. So I don't think he's like going to be an NBA starter necessarily, but he has actually had these little tiny flashes of success. And he's had a lot of interesting experiences, and then he got derailed, right? He goes to Atlanta, and then for whatever happened in Phoenix, he gets derailed. He goes to the Lakers for eight games, and then he goes to Sacramento, and he actually kind of has moderate success, and then the Lakers want him back. Same group, right? That's interesting, too, that the same two. And I think it's interesting also that the Warriors let him go and Travis Slank, who is his GM, picks him up. And then the, it, L.A. had him and they pick him back up. So it's an. In, Damian Jones is interesting. Last night, I thought, was really, really impressive. So I'm, I think he could be a third center. I think the Jazz might have found a little something here as a third center. Backups, second or third center. They're supposed to be cheap. Um, and, he, and they might have they really got something there. The other one is Chris Dunn. And Chris Dunn um, played another nice, solid game and seems to be evolving. We'll dig into that. Plus, we'll look at Taylor Horton Tucker. Plus, we'll look at Ochai's two-for-11 night. Plus, because I got a little long-winded on Damian Jones because I think he's super interesting. Plus, we'll look at what happened in the West and we'll play our lottery. All right. We're like, and we're going to do all of that supposedly in like nine minutes here. I'm not entirely sure. Um, But we're going to find a way to do it because I said we will. And I'm supposed to do those things that I say we're going to do. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sportsbook of Locked On. It is also the official, the number one sports book in all of America. And it is also an opportunity for you to get going with the no sweat first bet. That's what's going on at FanDuel right now. It's pretty fun. No sweat first bet up to $1,000 for new customers. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe and secure and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. You can build your favorite NBA bets. You can include core markets, spread, player props, rebounds, assists. You can do things. FanDuel will even let you combine your bets for a bigger payout on same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Over at the FanDuel book, I heard this today on Locked on Mavericks. So I, um, and I'll just add this on. They were looking at the Western Conference NBA favorite odds. Sacramento's like ninth that they had. Like Crazy. Conference winners, Suns are plus 220, Denver's plus 290, Warriors are plus 600, Clippers are plus 700, Dallas plus 800, Memphis is plus 800, Lakers are plus 2,500, Sacramento's plus 4,600 at FanDuel, and they're number two seed in the West right now. Tip of the hat to Lockdown Mavericks for sharing that, Had had to share it with you as well. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, Locked on NBA Big Board. Getting you ready for the draft. Leaf to lean will be with us tomorrow to prep you on all that. All right, uh, Chris Dunn, again, question is, is he a backup point guard? Can he be a third point guard? You kind of need three guards on your roster. Sometimes you don't. People are so versatile now. Um, but he has shown everything... Makes him really good. Six three two oh five. 205, fabulous defensive work. And his three, his two-point shooting with the Jazz has been outstanding. He, His floater zone game looks to have developed in a way that's different than what he had before. Now, it's a little unnatural. He's shooting 64% right now from 3 to 10 feet. That's probably not very realistic to hold. But it did start to get better in Chicago when he played 51 games for the Bulls at 44% in his last year. He may have really kind of developed that. He also, while not a, ever going to be a high pro, uh, high volume three point shooter, is taking a career high two point seven a game right now, and is making forty four percent. Now, you know he ended up in the G League because he simply couldn't make shots. Like he, um, his last year in Chicago, he shot twenty six percent from three. And then in 2021, when he only played four games for Atlanta, he, just, he only played four games for Atlanta. And then twenty-one, twenty-two, he went one of 11 in 14 games for Portland. So if he can make that three at an adequate level, couple that with his defense, couple that with maybe a new, mature approach to understanding the floater zone. And he does seem to make plays. I asked Ron last night on Postcast, like, is he making plays for teammates? He averaged six assists in his 14 games in Portland. He averaged six assists in his... Forty last forty six games in Port, in Chicago, he's averaging four assists in twenty three minutes for the Jazz. I think he's showing some signs, and so the Jazz have a decision to make on Chris Dunn of whether or not you sign him for the rest of the season. That seems like he's making that decision easier for the Jazz. And then the next decision: Do you give him some sort of an offer with your mid level exception that line that signs him up for a year or two down the road? If you're the Jazz, you're actually probably gonna, if you're gonna do it for next year, you actually probably want to ask for two. Like you, you can actually sign him for multiple years and you might want to. Um, I just want to tip the hat to Talon also because Talon's busting and still had five turnovers, and he's doing the best he can. He's being, he is not a point guard. Um, but he until he can shoot it better, he might have to be a point guard in our league. Um, and so he's got to play with the ball in his hands, and he's learning. And I thought in 34 minutes last night, rebounds, four assists. He was a dominating force driving to the basket last night, particularly on Tim Hardaway. Really an overwhelming dominant force driving to the basket last night with his power. And if he can learn how to finish at the rim, that's going to be a major jump for his game when everyone talks about shooting. Uh, Back to what Will Hardy talked about earlier this year with Ochai as we spread him out a little bit. He's going to have some tough games. We just have to accept him, so he went 2 of 11. Like, okay. Two of 11 attacking the rim, trying to get the line, trying to make plays, great, no problem. But I do think, you know, we got to understand that. Like, that's part of it. Um, I do think it's interesting. The more he's played, the larger his assignments are his three-point shooting is dipping, right? He was at this kind of outlandish 50% from the corners. He was up at 40% recently. Okay, well, now you're guarding. He was guarding Kyrie last night. Taylor Horton Tucker was guarding Luka. Like, you're playing 30 minutes a night. You're doing all these things, and suddenly your leg's on his good. Cou- so that's real. Um. Last night, from a Jazz draft pick standpoint, was pretty incredible. So, other than Orlando losing to Milwaukee, uh, and I don't think we can get catch Charlotte, Minnesota losing was great for the Jazz. Oklahoma City beating Golden State was great for the Jazz. And the Lakers beating Memphis was great for the Jazz. Um, tonight... We would like... Oh, and Washington beating Detroit was great for the Jets. So Washington plays Atlanta tonight. We'd like Washington to win. Portland plays Boston tonight. From a draft pick standpoint, we'd like Portland to win. From a playoff standpoint, probably not. So you got to figure out which side you're on. Uh, Dallas plays New Orleans. New Orleans is just enough of a mess. You might want New Orleans to win. Make sure they stay out of it unless you want plans and then you want Dallas to win. So it's tricky. Uh, Chicago, Denver, you'd like Chicago to win for playoff purposes. Actually, no reason not just to want Chicago to win because that one only has draft pick performance. And you'd like Oklahoma City to beat Phoenix and Toronto the Clippers, you don't really care. So here's where we sit as of today. The Jazz now are in the eighth spot of lottery balls with a 26% chance of top four and a 6% chance at the overall number one pick. Minnesota is at 16th. We get that pick. And Philadelphia is at 27th. So let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Lottery! The number one pick of the NBA draft goes to the Orlando Magic. Wow. They would have Paulo Boncaro and Victor they would be. They would be back to Shaq and Penny. The number two pick of the draft goes to the Charlotte Hornets. The number three pick of the draft goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Wow. Detroit would get the fourth pick. <coughs> Houston gets the fifth. San Antonio the sixth. They would not be so pleased having one a combined 31 games between those two teams. Indiana seventh. Chicago eighth, which goes to Orlando. So Orlando would have the first and eighth pick of the draft. Utah slips one to nine. New Orleans 10, Washington 11, Portland 12, Toronto 13, and the Lakers 14. So, on this lottery, the Utah Jazz would have the ninth pick, the 16th pick, and the 27th pick. And that's why tomorrow's show, we will have Leaf lean on trying to give us a gap understanding of all those regions and who we're thinking about and who we're watching for the March tournaments on the college world for the Utah Jazz. So, that's coming up tomorrow on the show. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Jazz and the Orlando Magic come your direction tomorrow. We'll have that special show for you tomorrow as well. Thanks very much. Now go listen to Locked On NBA Big Board to get ready for the draft. See you.